DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time to welcome in Big T Thurl Bailey, jazz analyst on AT&T Sportsnet. Big T, good morning. Hey, DJ. PK, how are you guys? Good. Big T, is it ever going to end? Because I'm, I'm now of the opinion, <laughs> I'm now of the opinion that your NC State basketball team is going to be celebrated forever. You just came out with a book. I just saw another show on TV about it. You got the uh, ESPN's got the every time there's downtime and it's college basketball season, they rerun it. Uh, do you feel like you're winning more than ever, even though you're not playing anymore? Yeah, it does feel that way. I mean, it's it, it's it, it was a special occasion and and. It wasn't just the championship game as much as it was the dream to get there. And it just doesn't happen like that. I mean, nowadays it's, you know, you can probably pick champions just by talent. And, but when you end up in a situation that's, uh, you know, it's it's the underdog, it's the ultimate underdog story, and you're, you've been a part of that, those kind of things never really die, never, never really get old. So... Yeah, and that's what the book is really about, guys. It's it's about how people can, what people can learn from that journey, and how they can develop their own uh, championship mindset, whether it's them as an individual or their their team, so to speak. I've gained greater greater respect for you, Thurl, in the last month, and I want you to know that. And the reason why is because you praised as a great Christmas movie, Elf. <laughs> It's one of the, it's one of the best, man. It is. I agree. Absolutely. I didn't see it when it came out originally. I didn't know what all the deal was about and then I saw it on video and I don't know why people debate it. it it's <laughs> yeah. got some great lines. People are like, "Well, the plot isn't really and all that." Listen, they're not trying to make an Oscar winner here. You put it on for your kids, yeah, you have exactly. a few laughs. That's the bar it needs to clear. That's the bar it clears. Will Ferrell leaning into Santa and telling me sits on a throne of lies will always be funny. That's just funny. Well, you know, before that, it wasn't that good. I don't care. It doesn't. That's not the point. It's up there with Christmas vacation, I think. <laughs> right? I agree. Oh, man. All right. We need to talk a little jazz basketball with you here, Big T. Uh, and watching uh, the start of this season, uh, we've, seen, uh, we've seen the jazz look fantastic running the Spurs off the floor. Fantastic running the Blazers off the floor. We've also seen them just kind of lethargically just kind of slog their way through a horrible home loss to Minnesota. And then we've seen games that have been in between. The Clipper game was really pretty good. Not not awesome, but it was pretty good. Uh, and the Oklahoma City game was terrible until the end when they found a way to win it anyway. And, and you got to play poorly and win some nights. Uh, so it's been all over the map. What do you make of this? What does it mean, if anything? Because it's been quite the roller coaster here out of the gate. Well, it has. And I think that's really kind of of expected. I mean, if you understand that even if you have spent time with each other in the past and the team hasn't changed that much, chemistry is still something that that has to be developed at a certain level uh, season by season. You've got a few new additions, but um, I I think what we saw in that Portland game, well, I, I, I feel like I know what we saw in that Portland game was really how the Jazz want to play now that was almost that was almost a perfect storm the defense was great jazz were capitalizing on that the threes were going in 
got up over 50 threes. You're not going to see that every night. Uh, one, because uh, you have to give other teams credit, right? They're going to guard you better than other teams. Um, you're not going to hit shots every single night. But in talking to Joe, uh, he said that that's, that's really the way we want to play. You know, and sometimes it doesn't work out that way based on the team and the matchups. But I expect that more times than not, you're going to see the Jazz up-tempo. Um, they're going to have more opportunities if the defense is good for those kind of shots you saw against San Antonio and Portland. But, um, but listen, it, it's, it's a small sample size, and we're not going to be able to say that for much longer. But I think the two games that we saw in Portland and San Antonio are very close to where the Jazz want to be. Got to be loving what Conley's doing. It looks like he's finally comfortable, right? He's very comfortable, and, and I think it started in the bubble. I think he would attest to that. Um, and I don't think I was ever worried. I mean, it's always a difficult transition uh, when you've been at one in one place for a while playing a different type of basketball. Um, it takes some a little longer than others, and plus he had some injuries along the way. But he, he knows basketball, and he's in a situation where Quinn is giving him kind of the freedom, uh, you know, on the pick and roll. If the defense goes under, he's supposed to shoot it. And he's quick enough to maneuver himself and aggressive enough to get down in the paint. And if he doesn't have it, he can kick it out to, to guys who are spotted up. But um, especially at this stage of his career, it's really good to see him looking really, really comfortable with what's going on out there. I actually thought it started earlier. I thought that um, the the slow transition was predictable. I thought it went on a little longer than anyone expected, and then he got hurt. But after he had a couple weeks to come back from the injury, if you check his numbers, go back and look like in February and the, and the portion of March that they played last year before everything stopped, I thought that his numbers then are exactly what the Jazz wanted when they got him. So to me, it's kind of like, well, of course he's good at this point. I mean, as long as he's healthy, right? Yeah. And the cliff will come at some point. You're in your 30s and you're a smaller guy, so you lose some athleticism and you really get punished. So that moment's out there somewhere for everybody. But he's night in and night out. He's who he's supposed to be. He's not going to hit 33 every night, but he's going to have those nights. It seems like they can ham and egg it now a little bit. If everybody's on, they get the blowouts. If one guy has a big night, Bogey was really efficient in Oklahoma City, and Conley had the night he went off for 33. Even with one guy going off, they. They're doing this with Donovan Mitchell shooting very poorly, and they're four and two. And in Mitchell's numbers and Bogey's numbers, uh, I can't even quote what Mitchell said about himself because y'all could have to dump it. You know, I mean, he was he had a very blunt, cutting edge Jerry Sloan word to sum up the way he's shooting the ball. And he's right; he's at thirty percent from three, and so is Bogey. But they're going to improve those numbers, and they're four and two right now. I think they'll take it, especially if if they're winning, they're beating teams. I think you're going to need. Uh, that consistency, and, and you're right about Mike Conley. It did start before, but I think the consistency of it really, really hit uh, in the bubble. Even though his numbers were good, and it seems like he's he's just really taken off from that point as well. But um, well, you're going to get those people that say, even though the Jazz are winning, they're beating teams. Well, what's wrong with Bogey or what's wrong with Donovan? And that I think that's. That's what you get when you have a system that allows a lot of guys to succeed. You don't have to rely on, on Donovan or Bogey every single night. However, 
I think as the season goes on, those guys have to find a way to put themselves in that system and, and, and Donovan's going to have to show on some games the Donovan we saw in the bubble. I mean, it's going to be, you know, and, and he can't do it in a way that, that forces the issue, but the ball's going to be in his hands quite a bit. And, you know, obviously, Bogey's success, I think, is determined by how the Jazz play, how the ball moves. You know, he's not going to have the ball in his hands to, to say, well, i got to go get, make something happen. He's got to be in that corner. He's got to come off screens. He's got to post up a little bit. So that's going to be really um, dependent upon how the other guys continue to keep him involved. So Shaq has gone after uh, Gobert, you know, oh, 11 Shaq. points a game and all this stuff. And I think it's a bigger issue. We were discussing it earlier about not just Shaq taking shots. That's that's don't really care about that. But the the issue that Gobert doesn't have as much of an effect on winning because he only averages 11 points. or I think that's something that Gobert has had to battle perception-wise, for a good long time, and that the only way to understand, and I want your thought on this, is the only way to understand his value is to do like all of us do that are talking right now, is literally watch him every game. Well, Shaq, as much as I love Shaq, he's kind of stuck in a time warp. The game is different. The game has changed. Um, How many post-ups does Shaq get? Every night, how many plays were how many plays were called for Shaq? In, in one in one stretch, as many as he wanted. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, it's a different game. Rudy is that's not his job. The game has moved away from from big post ups, um, unless you have that kind of big that you're you're that's anchoring your team. But um, you look at the game today and what Rudy brings to the table uh, as a defender. And people don't put a lot of stock in defenders, right? It's all about the offense and high scores. But his presence alone changes the game. You know, his presence alone puts the mindset in guys who think they want to drive to the basket. And they'll challenge it every once in a while. But, um, you know, so I, I think there's a ton of value in that. And there's a ton of value in a guy who uh, who can – run the pick and roll and get tons of screen assists and be in the right place at the right time with his teammates to get high percentage shots. I mean, that's invaluable in today. It would have been valuable in, in the game in the past. Um, so, you know, Shaq is Shaq, and I love him, but I don't think he's right in this situation because his mindset is really looking at him and how he performed. Uh, and what he would be able to do against Rudy. Yeah, there's only one Shaq though, so and he's not playing, right. so it doesn't right. it doesn't matter how Rudy would defend Shaq because there's nobody like that. I mean, Shaq's one of a kind. Right. Uh, right. You know, you, you get a Wilt, you get a Shaq. All right, well, let me know when there's another guy <laughs> like one of those two coming on the rising because it'll be the biggest thing and it'll change the way the game is played. Uh, I'm curious what you think of the Nets. We don't watch them that closely, obviously. Uh, They lost Dinwiddie. Now they've lost Durant for a week. They've got a coach who is a celebrity and a star, but he's coaching for the first time. It's a new deal, and he may end up being very good, but I can't believe he's going to be very good tonight. 
what do you expect out of the Nets uh, with all the things they've got going on? Uh, you know, with Durant out, obviously, they, they aren't going to be as good. But, you know, Kyrie's a, a great player, and you know, he's going to be effective. It's a matter of if the Jazz are going to make stars out of other guys. Uh, it's, it's happened before. Um, so you can't really go into this game obviously as a player thinking, you know, this, we're going to, we're going to walk through these guys based on how we've been playing. Um, but, you know, I think Brooklyn healthy and with everybody, I mean, I, they're, they're going to be very competitive in the East. Um, you're right though. I mean, it's, it's going to be tough for, for them to be, find the success that they're looking for, but they're going to make some strides. I mean, I, I really think that they're good enough that, you know, they're going to be, they could be in that top four or five in the East with a healthy team and, and with what, what I'm seeing right now and, and how uh, Kyrie and Kevin play off of each other. So we've had Joe Ingles on the show for seven years now, and asking him to shoot more is such a waste of time. I was telling DJ I'd rather get my teeth pulled with no Novocaine. That's not going to happen. He's not going to shoot more consistently. It's just not what his DNA is, and I get that. But I have got to have him be more involved offensively because I think that his skills to to facilitate are really top-notch. Uh, do you agree with that? Absolutely agree. I absolutely agree with all of that. And I also think that Joe, not being in the locker room or, or knowing about the conversation, I think he's been told that. And I think he's con- he's been conscious of that, I think, the last couple of games. Um, just because I, I can see when he plays, he's attacking more to the basket. And he's, he's not waiting. He's getting into his three-point shots a little quicker. Um, and again, you know, other guys are playing well around him. It's kind of a gauge on, you know, how much I need to impose my slow-mo will on, on people. Um, and, you know, he's coming off the bench this year. So along with uh, Jordan Clarkson, you know, he's going to be responsible for keeping that, keeping the game at try, hopefully at the, at the tempo that the starters do. Um, and he's going to finish a lot of games. So, yeah, I don't disagree at all, PK, with, with that. You know, I think Joe gauges a lot more on what he feels like he needs to do in a specific game or what he can do against a specific opponent. Has favors changed much since he left? Is he basically the same guy, or do you see some uh, some nuances, some things that are a little different? Yeah, his braids. His braids are <laughs> okay. uh, pretty cool. No, <laughs> um, no, I, I see. Uh, I see a more mature, and you know, he spent a lot of years here. But when you go away and a guy comes back, um, some of the things that he was really good at you can see that he's even a touch better at and he it's like he appreciates it more and those things didn't happen in new orleans even in the short time that he was there uh, he still had his skills and he was i think he was effective had a great plus minus i think he and zion were the top two in plus minus category but um i just see 
a guy who, outside of the the basketball, I know you're asking about the basketball play, he's, he's in a place he wants to be. And when you're that, you enjoy playing, you go out and you play hard. And I think we saw in, uh, you know, the San Antonio game that uh, he's, he's still an impact player, especially when you have a guy like Rudy who, you know, who goes out and whether he's in foul trouble or not, he takes a breather. You don't lose a lot, right? I mean, he, he may not be overall as good a shot blocker as Rudy, but in some ways he's more effective because he's got, you know, a 5, 10, 15-foot jump shot uh, that he can draw the defense out. He's a good defender, and, and, you know, he's got a great relationship with the pick-and-roll guys, specifically Joe. From a player perspective, Thurl, going forward now for X number of years, I mean, way out there in the future, what do you think it's going to be like from the player perspective playing for an owner who grew up as a fan of the team? I think it's going to be great. You know, I, I of course, uh, my tenure was the Miller tenure, and, and it was it was fantastic. I remember... I think we've talked about before as a player when you're out there warming up in the post and you feel a, a, a you know a, a arm bar in your back and it, you turn around and it's the owner <laughs> and you know Larry was he was he was an amazing owner um, he was like that but he was the other side I mean John called him the white rhino if we lost games we shouldn't have you can hear him coming down the hallway to speak his piece in the locker room um and I asked Ryan that in an interview the other day and asked him what kind of owner he was going to be. Was he going to, you know, be kind of a hands-on? And he said as close as he was going to get was where he was sitting during the interview. But I just feel like um, that he's going to bring a lot, you know, especially because he's a young guy. And, and I think the relationship that will end up forming between he and the players will be a really good one. Um, and not that it wasn't great with the Millers, but, you know, being closer in age and kind of being a fan, and I, I think the culture will be different. Um, and I'm not sure we're going to see a ton of changes as, as far as how the teams run, but I think his, his stamp on it will be, I think the players will really enjoy um, that relationship with him. So I'm excited to see all the things over the course of, you know, his ownership that will, that will, uh, that will happen, but uh, you know it's 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 really refreshing to to talk to a guy who is homegrown here, understands the value of the jazz in this community and this state, and and is really intent on making that the best for for the state. You know, Big T, we were, we started this off by talking about NC State and the championship run, and it's uh, it's crazy that all these years later, you went to school at NC State and you end up in Utah, and Dave Rose went to Houston, and he ended up in Utah, and you're both in Utah County. It's not that you cross paths a lot, not that I'm aware of anyway, uh, but I'm sure the news you got you do have a bit of a relationship with him going back to that game, and the yeah. news uh, of his stroke and that probably uh, hit you pretty hard, I assume. It did, it did, and it always hits you when you. Obviously, when you know someone personally, um, besides him being a part of that basketball family, um, but he's a great man. I mean, I, we've, we've had some great conversations over the years, and, and he just, I, I, 
I literally look, I, I look up to him because he has gone through a lot. And, um, you know, anytime that, you know, someone who is, who has been on that journey. I mean, I, my, my college coach, uh, Jimmy V was, it was probably the first time in my life that I had ever had someone close to me that, uh, you know, had cancer and was affected by it. Um, but Dave's been through a lot and, you know, I didn't know him as a player as much, um, only knew him when he kept following me out there on the court, but, um, I got, got to that. know him. I got to know him as, you know, as a person and as a coach. And, uh, as a matter of fact, I sent him kind of a video well wish with uh, a lemma the other day and, and hope that uh, he could make a, a full recovery and get back to some kind of normalcy. Well, we uh, we appreciate those thoughts, and the other thing I appreciate about this interview is that, as far as I know, you are the first person to go on the air with the White Rhino nickname. I had heard that, but I've never heard a player in the locker room go public with that. So, thanks for that, yeah. Earl. <laughs> yeah, that that was that was our locker room nickname, the White Rhino, because we could hear him. He was huffing and puffing. <laughs> he came in, and and Jerry knew it too because. Before Larry would even enter a locker room, Jerry would stop what he was saying and just take a couple steps back and we'd just wait. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> that is classic. Now I heard that there were other people that the bird that rode on the back that rides on the back of the rhino that that somebody had that nickname. John had a lot of nicknames for people. I heard he was yeah. very good at that. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> oh man! You're welcome. Good memories. Good memories. Thank you. Good memories. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks, Thurl. We appreciate it. All right. Take care, guys. All right. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. The White Rhino, man. You could hear him coming, PK. He's going to burst through that door and give you a piece of his mind. That's a good Yeah, that's visual. who he was, and that's going to be interesting to see what Ryan Smith does. And it's not going to be right now because it's going to take some time. Yeah. And, and I'm interested to see how he deals. There's going to be emotional losses. And once you get in this business of sports, you're going to have very difficult losses. It's just a fact of life. You, you know, we, Steve Cleveland, we, Dave Rose, we had great times. We had the highest of highs, the lowest of lows. That's just the nature of the business, right? Yeah. How is he going to react there? And then I'm also interested in how is he going to handle making tough decisions because you have to make tough decisions too now obviously he's made tough decisions in the business world probably a trillion times over this is a in the public realm of making tough decisions as a fan and but now you're an owner and all that stuff and it's going to be fascinating to see i have no doubt that he was he'll do it competently but in time whenever that time comes How's it going to be when it's time to move on from a player, get another coach, whatever it might be? Who knows? So the interesting thing to me is, you know, that uh, we always talk about grading NBA players over 72 games this year, but 82 games, you know, it's the whole consistency thing. As an owner, you have to make dozens and dozens and dozens, hundreds of public decisions, and inevitably you're going to get some wrong. Because nobody bats a thousand. And then with the blowback on social media and the way it tends to get personal and blowback on your family, that will be really interesting. And it's going to happen. It isn't going to happen right away, probably. 
Um, you know, I guess the first hurdle is something could have happened with Rudy, but they signed him, so then it didn't, right? So, but a trade deadline or how do you react to a playoff loss? It's like we were talking about Brady. You know, nobody's won more than Tom Brady, but two out of three years he's in the NFL, he doesn't win the Super Bowl. One out of three he does, and he's off the charts. So you're going to have to deal with this over time, and it will be interesting when it gets to that. I mean, I, I did think watching that first press conference they had when he couldn't take any questions, uh, but he did the joint press conference with Gail Miller, and mm-hmm. Ryan's yeah. wife was so excited and so happy, and it's good because it's going to take up so much of his life. You want, you know, the family needs to enjoy it too, or it's really difficult. Um, you know, but when they get hit with that blowback and negativity, um, you know, Chris Hill always talked about his wife couldn't go to the grocery store. You know, you got to go to the grocery store once or twice a week, but she couldn't go to the grocery store without hearing about Mac. It wasn't a popular decision firing him because everybody likes Ron McBride. It was the right decision. I like decision. that show. That was a great show. Everybody right. likes Ron McBride. Everybody likes yeah. Ron McBride. Yeah. And uh, not as successful as everybody loves Raymond, but it still had a good run. <laughs> um, it was, you know, the things that what, the next two years with Urban were a dream, but they still had to go through this nightmare time. Uh, and his wife couldn't go to the grocery store. You know, so when Ryan has to go through that inevitably, even when you're making a right decision, if people don't realize it's right yet, man, it can really wear you out. So, all right, we'll see how that plays out. Time will tell. DJ and PK, we've got to take a break. And when we come back, everything you missed in this show, stay with us. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I think it's the us being relentless, you know, man, like just continuing to just find ways to continue to keep, like I said, keep your foot on the neck, you know, continuing to keep that killer mentality on both ends, you know, making it a point. All right, we turn the ball over, making it a point. All right, it won't happen again. Or they give up a run, are we pushing back and we're not letting them come back. For us to do what we've been doing tonight was, was huge. But now it's a matter of where we're doing it again, you know, and then again and again and again. That's what we have to get. You know, it's good to start off this way. And I think we just got to continue to stay locked in and stay sharp. Donovan Mitchell on what the Jazz need to do after the big win in San Antonio. They crushed the Spurs. Can they be consistent? Can they do that again tonight to the Nets? Maybe to not that degree because nobody wins like that in the NBA night in and night out. But nonetheless, look good, pass the eyeball test, have a comfortable lead, and dominate the game. Not going to get it by 30. That's too much to ask, but... You don't need to come uh, come creeping back and try to steal it at the end like you did at Oklahoma City. Oh, for sure. But if you have to, go ahead and do that. Donovan Mitchell really has a gift of being able to express himself very, very well and say exactly what's on his mind and do it in a way where he gets his message across virtually every time he speaks. And I enjoy listening to his responses and in his post-game interviews or pre-game, whatever it might be. Because I think he articulates it so very, very well. And I agree with him with what he's saying. It's got to be, a, because obviously the skill is there, but now you got to have the mindset to, to be able to look at situations and just say, we're better, and that's great on paper, but now we've got to go show it here in the next 48. You're not going to do it every time, 
But you got to have that mindset of believing that. And I really believe he believes that. And he has the ability to transfer that in what he says. And I think he can also lead the way for the team to understand what he's trying to get across. You know, Quinn Snyder did not want to go crazy after the last game, but his answer nonetheless, I think, was revealing and, and tells us something to watch for as we watch this game and the Knicks game and, and the rest of this road trip and the games going forward. He's talking about not wanting to go crazy over one game. It did go well. Um, he said probably the best part about it, and I can't remember how he phrased it exactly, but it's something about the guys were present for all four quarters. You know, they were... They just didn't take time off. They didn't just go through a game. Oh well, let's just get through this. You know, they were they were dialed in, and so and even when you're dialed in, stuff can go wrong. You know, but it'll be interesting when we get back here tomorrow morning, and as we're watching on you know watching on Twitter, we all kind of watch the game together on Twitter anyway. You know, does it feel like they're just disconnected and just getting through it? You know, because when they're just getting through it, they're talented enough to, to still win, but it doesn't pass the eyeball test. You know, you know when guys are really, he loves the word connected, dialed in, whatever your phrase is. And when you see that, things are going to go well for this team a high percentage of the time. And certainly against a team like the Nets that's coming together, missing two pieces. We had Alex Schiffer on earlier this morning, Brooklyn Nets writer uh, for The Athletic, which, by the way, freaked out Utes beat writer... Uh, Josh Newman a little bit. He was on Twitter like, whoa, wait a minute. My worlds, my worlds are colliding here. So I guess he knows uh, Alex from Media Work back, um, back in the, uh, what do they call it? The tri-state area, right? Yeah, yeah if you include Connecticut. Yeah. And so um, his point was, hey, these guys are still getting reused to Kyrie Irving. He only played 20 games last year. Right. And Nash wasn't coaching then. No. Uh, Jacques Vaughn was there, and he has a voice, but he only has you know part of the voice because they brought in Nash. And they, they brought in uh, another high-profile, experienced coach. So it's, they're, they're figuring all this out on the fly. And they're losing guys at the same time. This is well, awesome. I suspected in that cir- circumstance that they would have somewhat of a slow yeah. start. Yeah. And for the Jazz, <clears throat> there's no reason for you to have a slow start. You have all sorts of continuity. So you know if you're looking for a win uh, and get the Nets out on the road, I don't know, I don't know if that road matters, but anyway – uh, it's a, it's your better your chances are better earlier in the season than later in the season because for these guys it's about gelling. Speaking of the Nets perspective, it's gelling in the spring, <clears throat> not necessarily now. They'll play through that as they find their way. All that's the Durant yeah. situation with him being out too. Mm-hmm. All that's left of the road now is the travel. You got to put up with the travel, but the crowds are gone. The shooting backgrounds are all pretty good for everybody. The refs aren't intimidated, motivated by a crowd. There, there isn't much left except the travel. And I think you're going to see it reflected in the, the home road splits here from teams. Uh, yeah, but I still think that the, the great teams in this league have great road records. Oh, yeah. So, and they may be no even better now. Situation is, yeah, they may be they even... could be better. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But they already have a good starting point. And if you want to be a great team in this league, that's exactly what you have to do. Uh, some of the games that uh, happened last night that we watched, Steph Curry is on a tear. He backed up his 62-point night with a 30-point night, barely missed a triple-double. Triple uh, probably would have had it if he needed it, but the Warriors thrashed the Kings and... 
you know, at the end, there was no point. They won by 30. Uh, the Mavericks uh, took down the Rockets, and Luka Doncic did get his triple-double. 33 points, 16 rebounds, 11 assists. Somebody's making the game look pretty easy, PK. This kid is an amazing, an amazing player. If I were to ask you, name me guys who you want on the Jazz. Now, obviously, you go to LeBron, but let's just say eliminate MVPs. So, you know, the obvious Antetokounmpo to, to LeBron. You'd get to Doncic so. pretty quickly. <laughs> you would yeah. get to him very quickly. You just I can't take one? I can't take Steph now. You just ruled him out. Um, right, right. The obvious ones I'm ruling right. out. Yeah. Right. And if you were if you were asking to take anybody, you'd also just be ruling out guys who are 30 or over because you wouldn't have them for as long. Yeah. I mean, who's, uh, yeah, but if I can win with them now, I take it. <laughs> Well, okay, that's a good point. Yeah, if you just want to bring LeBron in and win for one year, but if you can't, uh, is Durant's been an MVP, right? I have to look at the list. Uh, yeah, I would eliminate him. I think I would go. It would be a toss-up. I think I'd go leaning towards Doncic, but right there is Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I get your point there. I'd probably go Doncic. But if you're ruling out MVPs, then you would get to Jimmy Butler pretty fast, too. Uh, the thing you have to do with Jimmy Butler is, you know, a lot of times people will look at teams' records. You know, you add this guy, how much difference does he make? You also have to look at Jimmy Butler. When he leaves teams, they are wrecked. <laughs> they are. I think those numbers are more impressive for him than what he does when he gets there. It's like, man, when he leaves, he somehow, and, you know, we got a little bit of it with the stories and the bubble. Um, you know, it's not just the talent he provides, but all the chemistry stuff. And he was doing the coffee bar thing for guys and all that. And, uh, and so there's something about him leaving that it, you, obviously you lose his talent. Um, and obviously he hasn't left in a situation where a team was bringing in a massive talent, so you got to factor that in. But he must do something that's really valuable to the chemistry and the confidence for a team. And when it's gone, it must be a big piece of the puzzle because when he leaves teams, they all get worse, and some of them get dramatically worse. Yeah, I just like his no take-no-crap attitude, man. Yeah. But Doncic has that too, doesn't he? I'm more familiar with it with Butler because he's been in the league longer. He's an American. I, I still wonder if the foreign guys are maybe not more, just a little more polite. A little too happy <laughs> to be know. here. A little too well, happy like to be they're, here. They're, a little. They're guests. But that doesn't. I, I'm not really expressing myself the way I want to be. Doncic is just a 21 year old kid yet, so he still has plenty of time. If Butler needs to get in your face, he's going to. Yeah. And maybe Doncic will be there, but at one, it's still hard to do that. Whereas Butler, you know, he's been in the league now for a number of years, and just his attitude, I think, leads to winning. Sometimes guys got to be a you know what, man. And you can't all be nice. And it's, but sometimes you can, you know, you can overdo it too. So sure. maybe he does yeah, to I, an extent because he's moved around a bunch. I don't at the think same so. Time. I don't. I think that's one of the things that when he leaves, they get worse. And I think so. That's one of the things that maybe he brings that you just really need. Someone's just going to tell the truth. And if the truth is really uncomfortable and really harsh, if it's the truth, <laughs> it's like sometimes you got to say it to fix what's going wrong. 
So say it. And he does. You know, I think the difference between, you know, because he's probably nine, 10 years older, he's at a, when you get to that point, I think NBA players, when they get to 29, 30, 31, they've seen a lot of guys retire. They know they're in the prime. They know they've got more chances, but they know they don't have a lot of chances. And so they're willing to push the envelope with what they say and do. They've seen a lot. They know it. They've lived it. They know it. And they will tell people how it is. They don't have that many more chances. And at 21, you haven't seen it all. You haven't seen how many different ways things can go wrong. You don't know it to the degree. And so it's hard to get up and say that to somebody because you haven't lived it and felt it. You know. Now, you're going to lose more than you win. And when you see all the different things that can go wrong and you don't want to repeat them, when you start to see something happen again, you're going to say it. And, and Doncic yeah. just isn't there as a 21-year-old. Now, maybe right, maybe right, he'll never right. get there. There's the In a previous generation, you could say, hey, winning, they're so happy to be here. It's such an accomplishment to make it to the NBA from some of these countries that they're not now going to tell these American players how it needs to be. Uh, but it's no longer such an accomplishment. And so many guys have done it. And now foreign guys have, you know, Dirk Nowitzki's won a championship. You can do that as a foreign guy. And Doncic is in the first generation that's grown up with that level of expectation. Hey, not only can I get over there, I can go over there and dominate and win a championship. You know, I mean, to Dirk's credit, he pulled that off. And that mindset, I don't think people really had that to that level and that degree yet because it hadn't been done. Now you've seen it done. It's nothing fancy. You know, it's, you know it can be done. Okay. Broncos, we talked them a little this morning. John Elway giving up control of the football's franchise decisions there. There's, uh, he's backing away from the football side of it. He's going to hire a GM to call the shots. Uh, he's done it for a decade, and the first five years were great. Uh, there were a lot of playoffs. There were two Super Bowls. There was a Super Bowl title. There's also a Super Bowl loss. And now they've had five years of no playoffs, not relevant at the end of the year. So he's bringing in someone else to call the shots. How dramatically will this change the Broncos? I guess... Uh, well, they can only go up, right? It, this has been a pretty bad run. This has been their worst run in 40 years. They haven't had a five-year span like this. Yeah, I don't know who the guy's going to be and who's he going to draft. And you know, I mean, we know the ways of building a team, and whoever the person is is uh, competent enough to do it and remains to be seen. Joe Judge is getting a lot of run. The Giants coach was not happy with the Eagles in the fourth quarter. Uh, to disrespect the effort that everyone put forward to make this season a success in the NFL, to disrespect the game by going out there and not competing for 60 minutes and doing everything they can to help those players win, we'll never do that as long as I'm the head coach of the New York Giants. Not happy that they had a chance to go to the playoffs and they didn't because Washington knocked out, uh, knocked them out by winning. Uh, but there are also plenty of blowbacks saying, yeah, you had a chance to go to the playoffs if you'd won more than six games. So who cares what the Eagles did? If you guys were 8-8, eight eight, you'd be in. True, uh, but I understand his point. The point being that you you're, you're play to win the game, as Herm said. It didn't look like the Eagles were playing to win the game no matter what Doug Peterson, their coach, was saying. No. It didn't, uh, and that was pretty clear. It looked like a preseason game there yeah. at the end. Pretty clear looking at Twitter in the fourth quarter. Well, you know, what are the Giants doing? And there are no good explanations. They're playing a third-string quarterback, and he's turning the ball over. That's what they're doing. I mean, I get both sides, uh, but at the same time now it's over for the Giants, and you got to figure out how to make your team better. Yeah. Oh, we had Jeff Grimes on earlier this morning, former BYU offensive coordinator, now the offensive coordinator at Baylor. He said a lot of good stuff. I'd encourage you to go listen to it at our website, 1280thezone.com. Everything's archived there. You can listen to the whole show. Okay, lots of stuff is archived there. (laughs) Hey, Yach. 
put it this way, the website's undergoing some work currently. It's available on all the podcast feeds, though. Okay, is that where to find it? Yes. Which yeah. one would you suggest? Well, most people either use an, an Apple device, an iOS device, or an Android. So in that case, go to Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and check it out there. Spotify is also a good option. All right, there you go. Uh, your takeaways from Jeff Grimes, PK. He said a lot of stuff. You can pick one of your favorites. There were a lot of good things in that interview. I think the program is in good hands now, and he's going to go home and and uh, be closer to his family and all that, and his wife's from there, so that's great. Uh, but he's leaving the place a lot better than when he found it, because when he found it, they were a mess. I mean, when he got there, they were they were just a mess offensively. They were coming off that four-win season. So uh, Grimes was hired to do a job, and the Grime Dog did the job. You can't say anything more than that. I enjoyed him pulling the curtain back and saying that on the headsets in Houston uh, – that Zach Wilson made a throw, and it was big time. And he told the guys on the headsets, well, enjoy it while it lasts, guys, because he's going to the NFL, and he's got a lot of calls from NFL people, and they knew in the middle of the season he's going to be a high draft pick. So we'll see yeah. how it goes. And then if, you, if you're going to be a guy who appreciates Van Morrison, I'm going to like you. <laughs> there it is. All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, your feedback. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. In his mind, he's moving up to Boise. He can see the blue turf, where he get paid what he's worth. Kalani's gone to coach the Broncos in his mind. <laughs> I'm waiting for them to hit the wall, PK, but they're not hitting the wall. I don't think Kalani's a finalist for the Boise job, but... Uh... That doesn't matter. For their, for, for, their, for their 15 seconds of fame every day, it was close enough. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What, what they're doing. But I think yeah. the bigger point is, you know, what's BYU going to do when Kalani gets offers? And we know what they did when Bronco got an offer. They said thank you and goodbye. Would you expect anything different? Because I don't think Kalani, and I could be wrong, I don't have any inside info, none. But I don't think Kalani will leave for something lateral or a little better. He's got too good a thing going at BYU. If he leaves, it'll be for something that is, quote-unquote, much better uh, in terms of you know, pay, power five, ability to win, you know. So Okay, and that's fine. But don't, don't be, I don't want BYU to tell me that we want to play football at the big-time level. Don't tell me that. Do it. Show it. If it comes to it, Show me. Why should there be just a, an automatic concession? Goodbye. You may lose out, and the, the coach may go to another institution, and that happens all the time, and I can live with that. But don't just roll over and play dead and say, well, we're not going to do it. If you do that, then don't tell me that you're trying to play and compete at the highest level, because you're not. You follow what I'm saying? I do, and I was looking for a good comeback there. See, here's the problem. If I, I know, I know what BYU wants to say. I think, and I think I know why they want to say it. And you know, if you leave for USC, Ohio State, Alabama, uh, you know, whoever, right? Okay. You say you want to play at the highest level, but really you're not going to outbid Alabama. I mean, you know, okay. We, we get but, that. We're not but, talking about that. But if Freaking you're going to Virginia. leave for a team that I, I – that's where I was going to go. I view Virginia as either lower third or middle third of the power five, depending on how it's going. And if you're going to concede to the lower third of power five, I don't know what you're doing. 
because I think the top of the G5 is better than the lower third of Power 5 routinely. Most often. Routinely better, right? Hence most often. Yeah. yeah. I, I would buy that. And this is this is a great discussion for another day. Let's it, not. It really it. is, and I think <laughs> the middle of the Power Five, depending on what kind of money and who you think you can get, and I think with Bronco, it wasn't just. I just think it kind of felt like the end of the road with Bronco, which is another story that it, we don't have time to get into. Exactly, Kalani's more comfortable in his own skin at BYU. Yes, we hit on a and, great topic, but we got to go. This is torture. And Kalani is only five years into this. You know, at ten years, it might feel differently. Kalani might need a change of 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 uh, scenery, you know, mm-hmm. and he might not either. You know, he might be a guy who is built for, and it would be odd in this day in college football to have a fifteen or twenty year run. What Kyle Whittingham has done is odd, you, but it's also felt yeah. right. The program's been improving; he's been happy. So why why mess with it? You know, yeah, I mean, you, if Derek Favors has taught us anything, oh, yeah, like he left, and there were things that didn't happen that he just kind of took for granted as part of the NBA, and he's like. I'd really rather be in Utah. This gets done right there. Theo and Epstein so, has been fond of saying that 10 years in an organization is too yeah, long. And that's it's been out there for a long time. Try working 19 years with DJ. <laughs> <laughs> it's been glorious, hasn't it, PK? <laughs> Every last day, absolutely. Looking forward to many more. All right, I'm looking forward to one tomorrow. Let's do it. We know the topic you got to put up on the board, PK. Put it on Facebook. We always say the show never stops. Let people have at it, and we'll be back tomorrow morning. Hans Olsen, Scotty G, coming up next.